Well, the title of my message this morning is Belonging or Belongings. Belonging or Belongings. And I'm going to be speaking this morning a message concerning the heart of the Father and the system of His kingdom. And so I want you to turn right away to uh, the book of Luke and two of my favorite chapters of the Bible, Luke chapter 15 and 16. And uh, these, these two chapters are not together by accident or on accident, as some people like to incorrectly use in the English language. Just relax, everybody. It was a joke, okay? Anyway, Luke chapter 15 reveals the heart of the king. Reveals the heart of God. Reveals the heart of the Father and the heart of the Son. And Luke chapter 16 reveals the system of the kingdom of the king. And you can't have a king without a kingdom. And where there's a, you can't have a kingdom without a king. Ooh. And I'm so glad that the king is our daddy. Aren't you glad that the King of Kings is your dad? You know, when I was a kid, it was a big deal what your dad did. Do you remember? Well, my dad's a fireman. Really? My dad's a police officer. My dad's a businessman. My dad's a missionary. My dad's an athlete. My dad's a musician. My dad's everything. In fact, there's so much in the heart of a child to boast about their father. When I was a kid, when I was like five and three quarters, six years old at school, I used to tell people that my dad was an astronaut. And he would go to the moon. In fact, he's right there right now. And my dad's been to Venus. And my dad's been to Mars because the reason I said all of that is because it seemed like everybody else's dads were cooler and smarter than mine. And so I would make up things about my dad. Well, of course, on one level I was, well, um, no, on every level I was absolutely lying, except for the fact that my heavenly daddy was all of those things. I just didn't realize it. Shikabanga. But here we have an amazing story. I'm gonna, we're going to skip over the first 10 ch- uh, verses of Luke 15 where Jesus talks about the lost sheep and the lost coin. Amazing parables. And we're just going to pick up some threads by way of introduction to the message out of the par- parable of the lost son. Or that's what my New King James Version calls these next few verses. But I think it would be better if it was called the parable of the loving father. Because I don't think the sons are the hero of the story. I think the dad is the hero of this story. How many of you agree with me? Raise your hands online. I see those hands. Well done. Thank you very much. Right then. Mm. Then Jesus said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. 
or give me my inheritance, in other words. And so he divided to them both his livelihood. And we're just going to pause right there for just a moment. I want you to notice that Jesus very carefully uses two distinct words within this sentence, within this first verse. The youngest son comes to the father and he says, Father, give me my share of your possessions. Give me my share of your belongings. Give me my share of what belongs to you. Because frankly, and this is what it literally meant in that culture at that time, frankly, I'd like you dead because I treasure your belongings more than you. Because an inheritance was rarely, if ever, given until the person passed away. And so this youngest son is really communicating, I really value your stuff, Dad. I like what I can get from you. I value you because you got a bunch of stuff and I'd like it. I don't really care for your heart. I don't really care for your face. I don't really care for your hugs. I don't really care for your wisdom. You keep spouting it on and on and on. Goodness gracious, when are you going to stop telling me all of your platitudes? I just want your money. Give me your money. We'll use a nice Christian term. When are you going to bless me, God? Give me your blessings. I'd like you better if you'd heal me. I'd like you better if you'd make, give me a new house. I'd like you better if, you know, my relative doesn't die. I'd like you better if, you know, there was a different world around me. I just would like you better. Would you please fix everything for me? It's all about me. I mean you, Jesus. So often, our hearts betray our poor revelation of love. And we value God for his stuff. We value him for his belongings. We value him for his possessions rather than treasuring the reality that we belong to him. That we're his and that he's ours. The fascinating thing in this story is that the father rather than rebuking the son, which he could have done, let's face it. I mean, all of the possessions were his to do what he wanted with them. And he could have turned around and said, you wicked son, I know your evil intent and your evil heart. I've been watching you for years. You just value me for my money. Get out of my sight. No way am I giving you the inheritance. In fact, I'm going to change the will now that you've just said that. You finally pressed the last button too far now, and I'm really triggered by you. Get out of my sight. I'm canceling the will. I'm going to give it all to someone else. But he doesn't. Why? And this is where we see the heart of the king. Because the heart of the king is generous and kind and forgiving and merciful. Remember last week, Ash encouraged us that as we walk in God's love, we can give that love away in the mission of love. 
The week before, I spoke on the importance of forgiveness and walking in grace and mercy. This is an example of the Father walking in grace and mercy towards His Son. Walking in love and giving that love away. Because even though the Son doesn't deserve a single cent of His possessions, He turns around and divides His wealth, His livelihood between them. Now, the Greek word, the two Greek words right here that are undergirding these two important uh, words, goods and livelihood, are very, very important. You see, when the son comes, he says, give me my share of the goods. That word in Greek right there is ousia. Give me my share of the ousia. It only comes twice in the entire New Testament that's written in Greek. The first time is right here, give me my share of the usia. The second time is just a few verses later where it says that the youngest son, not long afterwards, proving that he really didn't have any value for his father or the family, it says that he left and went to a foreign and distant land. He went away as far as he could from his family. And you know what? Some of us in this room and some of us watching online, we're running as far away from our family as we can go. Because we're saying, you're not worthy to love me. You're not worthy of my love. You divorced my mom. You divorced my father. You screwed up. You abused me. You hurt me. You this, you that, you the other. Because our eyes are fixated upon ourselves in the midst of our pain. And the problem with pain is that it distorts our vision. And instead of being able to see people through the lens of mercy, we see them through the eyes of justice, with ourselves at the center of all the injustice. And the Holy Spirit wants to set us free in love. And the fascinating thing right here is that Oh, I forgot to say that he goes to a foreign land and then it says, and there he squandered his usia, his goods, his possessions, his belongings. He squandered his belongings through wasteful living. The word right there is astos in the Greek. It just means careless living. You know what? I think he tried to use his money to make friends because he really wasn't very good at relationship. You see, if you don't understand your belonging to the Father, you'll never, ever feel settled that you belong to one another. You'll feel like you don't belong anywhere. It'll feel like it doesn't matter what church you join, what community you join, what job you ever get, what husband or wife you ever marry, what children you ever have. You will never, ever, ever satisfy the longing for belonging until you understand that you belong to your heavenly daddy. And he wanders, uses his money to create friends, searching for the the longing for belonging until he runs out of money. And then the Bible tells us, Jesus says, he hired himself. The word hired right there, kaleo, he bonded himself. He made himself one with the citizen of a foreign land, a type of the devil himself. And this citizen of a foreign land sent him to the pig pen to work among the pigs. And it says that he became so hungry, he longed for the 
pods of the pigs, but he couldn't get there because the pigs were stronger than he was. And he's slipping around on two legs in the mud until now he's on all fours in the mud and the pigs are... He can't get any food for himself. That was very real because my family used to have about 1,200 pigs when I was a kid in England. When I was on hogs, that's hogs. Yeah, that's hogs. They used to have a lot of hogs. Ooh-ah. And the Word of God tells us, Jesus says, that he came to his senses. And he remembered his father. And he said, what, ser- what hired servant, what employee in my father's business back home does not have food enough for their table, more than enough? He remembered his dad. Why did he remember his dad when everything that his dad had given him was gone and wasted? And the answer is right there in verse 11. Excuse me, verse 12. Father, give me the portion of Usia that falls to me. And so his father divided his Usia. No, it doesn't say that. In Greek, it says his father divided his bios between them. This is amazing. The word bios means life. It's where we get the, it's the root word of biology. Think about that for just a moment. The son came to the father and says, give me your possessions. The father gave him his life. The father gave him his biology, his bios. Now, what is, what is that? What is in this bios? I believe that the bios is the system of the Father. It's the ways of the Father. It's the system of His kingdom. It's the system of the way He thinks, the way He behaves. It's His values and His behavior that is the culture of the kingdom of heaven. And so it's the way of love. And I think the Father sat down and He said, Son, son, youngest and old, come here a minute. Sit down with me. I'm going to I'm going to do the very thing that the youngest son has asked for. I'm going to give you everything that I own and I'm going to give it to you both early before I die. And here's what we're going to do. Son, you're the oldest. You get two-thirds because that was the the way in those days the oldest son got got the double portion. The youngest son, you get one-third. The oldest, you get two-thirds. Here's the deal, guys. I'm giving you these possessions, but I want you to remember there's something more important than belongings. It's called belonging. And you belong to me, and you, I am your father, and you are my sons, and I love you with all my heart. And I want you to think about and never forget my ways. How I love your mother, my wife. How I love my employees. If you treat your employees well, they will always treat you well. You see, love is a value exchange. If you're you're smart, you'll never, ever serve money, boys. Because money is a terrible master but it makes a very good servant. 
But you must learn to become the master of money. Sons, listen to me carefully. Wealth is like a river. It's made of many streams. The more streams you have, the wealthier you will become. The faster the river will flow. And by the way, sons, God's put the treasure mine in you that's so vast, you will never, ever, ever be able to exhaust the mine of wealth that's on the inside of you, no matter how wealthy you become on the outside of you. Because ideas and innovation and creativity are far more valuable than dollars. And sons, come here. Let me just remind you that I've put in you your skills and abilities for which to mine the treasure, to create value for others. And when you take from what is within you and you create value for others, money will always chase you. You will never have to chase that money. Because if you chase that money, it'll be like a rainbow, a pot of gold under the rainbow that evaporates the more you run after money. You see, sons, belonging is more important than belongings. And remember when there's been strangers that have come to the house, sons, that we've given and given and given and entertained them and loved them. And remember the poor. Never, ever, ever forget the poor, sons. Because you'll always have the poor. But there's your opportunity to be just like your Father in heaven and be generous just like he is. And I'm so glad that the father chose to give them his bios, which included all of his money, but he gave him the ways that enabled him to have all of that money in the first place. He gave them stewardship. And when that youngest son in a foreign land, in union with a nasty taskmaster, that sent him into the middle of the pigs with screaming all around him. He, the bios of his daddy, was on the inside of him. And that bios was calling him, Son, come home. I love you. You don't belong in this dirt. You don't belong among the pigs. You were not created to be a slave. You were not created to run after money. You were never created for money. You were created for joy. You were created to work for joy. You were created for belonging. You were created as my son. Come home, my boy. Come home. And Jesus went on to say that, meanwhile, having decided that he was going to get up and he prepared what he was going to say to his dad, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your servants. He's rehearsing it all the way home as he hobbles along, torn, bruised, battered. And I'm talking about his heart, let alone his body. And he's full of shame and he's got his head down. Jesus says, while he was still a long way off. That word right there is while he was in the foreign land. His father saw him. His father in Greek, horeoed him. It means he perceived him. 
His father never, ever, ever left him. His father's eyes were constantly on his son with affectionate gaze. And every day, sitting under the buyu tree, okay, fig tree, wasn't Africa, and he's, he's sitting there, dressed in his kingly robes. I know down that long road that my boy is going to come back. Because I put my bios in him. And I love him. And he's coming home. And when he comes, I'm going to throw the biggest party. What am I going to I'm going to put sandal on his feet. I'm going to put his ring. Yes, that's right. The ring that's the family credit card in the marketplace. Even though he's squandered everything. I bet you he's squandered everything because I know my son. But I'm going to give him the corporate executive Chase card. I'm gonna give him the I'm gonna give him the platinum express card. That's right, the one you have to pay off every month, the whole balance. I'm gonna give it to him. And I'm gonna f- kill that fatted calf that my eldest son has been fattening up. And I don't even know why he's been fattening it up, because he doesn't have any friends. And I'm gonna celebrate the return of my son. And that's exactly what happens. One day, there he is. And what does the Bible say? Jesus says he picked up his robes. Well, actually, he says his father ran to him and he cataphileoed him in Greek, which means that he threw his arms around him violently with force, knocking him off his feet, kissing him profusely. He kissed him profusely. The boy didn't even have a chance to say, make me like one of your hired servants. All he can choke out is, Dad, I'm unworthy to be called your son. And the father is kissing him so violently, smothering him with so much love that the boy doesn't even have time to say, make me like one of your servants. The father knows what's coming, cuts him off and says, servants, throw a party. Fatted calf, robe, ring, everything. That's right. They're all looking at him going, are you sure? You mean... All the things that belong to your older son? You sure you want us to do that? And he's like, absolutely. Throw a party. My youngest son was dead. Now he's alive. And they go into the party. The oldest son comes in from the field. He hears all the noise. He turns around and says, hey, to one of the servants, what in the world's going on? See, it had been a long time since they'd thrown a party. Probably the last party was the leaving party of the youngest son. and That left a bitter memory in that eldest son. And you can see so much from the attitude of that eldest son. He refuses to go in. So what does the father do? The father leaves him outside in the cold. No, no, he doesn't. You see, here the father does something that he didn't do for the youngest son. The father went and found the oldest son. He left the party. He went outside and he says to the eldest son, son, what are you doing? Come on in. Your brother's home. And he says, all these years I've been slaving away for you, working for you in the fields, and you've never so much as given me a single goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. 
And I'm sure it was everything. I'm sure the father was holding back everything from saying, son, number one, I gave you every goat that's here. And number two, so it was you and your selfishness that you never sacrificed a goat for your friends. And secondly, can we just remind ourselves about which friends you're talking about? Because I've never seen any of them. And the son says, listen to this, so spiky. He says, but when this son of yours, not my brother, this son of yours. You see, he didn't understand belonging either. He had no desire to be a member of the family. All he cared about was give me possessions. And even though he'd been given everything, all of the father's belongings, two-thirds of it, it still wasn't enough for him. He was angry that he didn't get the third third. And he was angry that the third third was squandered. And he was angry that the fatted calf was dead. And he turns around and he just puts the knife into his father in a very unkind and unpleasant way. In a way that so often, without realizing it, we do to God when we blame him that we didn't get our own way. That our prayers are not answered for us the way we want them for answered. And we betray the orphanness of our hearts. We don't know how much our daddy loves us. And what does he say? This son of yours who squandered all your bios on porne. In Greek, on prostitution. That's what he says. Piercing his father's heart. Yeah, that's right. Your bios. That's right. That stinking wisdom. That that horrible love, that your ways that you think are so awesome about your kingdom. Yeah, all of that, he squandered it all. And you know what he squandered it all? It wasn't just loose living, wasn't astos. He squandered it on prostitutes. Something Jesus never said that the younger son did. And isn't that just so how we are in our orphanness? We look at other human beings and we start to accuse them in our hearts for a bunch of things that we have no clue about. It's called judgments. And we judge them for this, that, and the other. And it all flows out of our own orphan heart because we're after belongings, not belonging. Verse 21. Sorry, verse 31 the absolute verse of the entire parable. And the father said to him, this is the father's response to such a horrible accusation against his brother and against the father. And the father who's constantly thinking belonging, not belongings. He turns to his oldest son, who you and I would be like, you religious mean-spirited, nasty piece of work. Get out of my sight. Talk about your brother like that and talk about me and my bios like that. Get out of my sight. No. No. He doesn't say that. He's, his bios is so powerful, the system of the kingdom so great. What does he do? He responds in complete love. And he said to him, Son, Son, 
You're always with me. And all that I have is yours. Verse, chapter 16, verse 1, and he also said to his disciples, the fact that it says also right there links 16 to 15. The two chapters must be taken together. There was a certain rich man. He had a steward. And an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting all of his possessions. So the man, the rich man, called him and he said to him, What's this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship for you can no longer be a steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking away the stewardship from me. I cannot dig. I cannot, I'm too ashamed to beg. I've resolved what to do. That when I'm put out of the stewardship, others will receive me into their houses. And so he called every one of his master's debtors to him. And he said to the first one, How much do you owe my master? And the man said, a hundred measures of all. Oh, okay. And he said, well, take your bill and write down 50 quickly. Cut it in half. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe my master? And so he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, well, take your bill and write 80. Man, this is getting weird, isn't it? It's just about to get even weirder. Verse 8. So the master commended the unjust steward because he dealt shrewdly. Now think about this a moment. Put yourself in the master's shoes. Somebody owes you a debt. The servant, your employee, is in charge of collecting the debt. The employee goes to the person who owes you the money and says, how much do you owe? And they cancel it, and they write out, they slash it in half, and only get half back. Now, a businessman came up to me once, a business person came up to me once and said, it's better to have a half than have nothing. That's what he was doing. And I thought that was really smart. And sometimes, by the way, we hold on to try to be right for so long, we miss out the reality that we could have got half back. But even then, you see, This speaks into what I'm about to say to you. Somebody, a very, very successful man once said to me, have you ever understood the parable of the shrewd servant? I said, no. Shrewd manager, I said, no. He said, me neither, until one day the Holy Spirit just opened my eyes to something. I want to share it with you, Duncan. I said, please do. I'm I'm all ears. I have been for all my life. They're pretty large. And... He said, the master was not commending the servant for his dishonesty. And Jesus, in telling the parable, is not commending the servant for his dishonesty. The master and Jesus, in telling the parable, are commending the servant, the shrewd manager, for understanding that the world has a system and for using that system to his advantage. And remember, this is a parable, and he's saying to us through the parable, if the world has a system and you can take advantage of it, how much more will you be blessed when you understand that the kingdom of heaven has a system and you learn the system? 
Now, most Christians do not understand the system of the kingdom when it comes to managing belongings. You see, in Psalm 24, verse 1, it says that the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, everybody who dwells in it. Everything in the world belongs to God. That means all the money in all the world belongs to God. That means that even Jeff Bezos, the richest man in the world, is merely a steward temporarily for his lifetime of what actually belongs to God. God is eternal. This earth is created by God. Everything in this earth is God's. And all the people that ever walk the face of this earth, including Jeff Bezos, the richest man in the world, all belong to God. So if it all belongs to God, why in the world are we trying so hard to own more belongings. When our invitation by a loving daddy who loves us is to steward what belongs to him. And I want to close with four things that you and I are invited by the loving daddy that if those two sons had done these four things with what the father had given them, the whole family would have walked in love and given that love away. And we're going to be a church, catch the fire, I hope, the walk in the principles and the system of a generous daddy. That we don't hoard belongings, that we don't try to get wealth for ourselves, but we understand that when God says in Deuteronomy 8.18, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to create wealth, that he may establish his covenant with you. And if that covenant of bull and goats was established and wealth was a, a sign of the blessing of God for those and that covenant was old, bull of, of, of the blood of bulls and goats. How much more does God want you to steward the wealth of the kingdom now that you're in the new covenant that's written in the blood of his son Jesus? But he can't bless us when we hold on tightly. He blesses us when we let it flow. When we let what belongs to him flow to us, flow for us and flow through us to the world. To, for, and through. And how do those blessings flow? They flow in four ways. Number one, when we return, say that with me, return what belongs to God. It's called the tithe. Tithe means 10%. What does that mean? It means that everything that ever comes to you, whether it's your salary or whatever, and people say to me, do I tithe before tax or after tax? And my answer is simple. It all belongs to God before it belongs to Caesar. So give to God first. That's what Jesus said. So let your tithe come off the top, the gross. And what do we do with our tithe? Well, there are many people who don't even believe in tithing, who are Christians. And they say that tithing is in the Old Covenant, except for the fact that tithing was a dynamic discovered by Abel long before the Old Covenant was ever written. Abel was the first tither. And what did Abel do? Cain was the one who came up with the idea of giving God an offering, and yet Cain's offering was rejected. But Abel's, who got the idea second, Abel's was received. Why? 
Because Abel didn't just give God the dregs. Abel gave the first fruits. Abel returned the tithe. What does the tithe do? The tithe lets God know that you know that everything is God's, not yours, including our paychecks. Please don't ever work for money. Let money work for you. So much better. I love making money when I'm asleep. I love that. Do you know that God can enable you as you learn to tithe and return what belongs to him and let go of that 10%? He's able to make that 90% that belongs to him that he puts in your hands go so much further than the 100% that was unblessed ever would have done. But those who do believe in tithing, there's differences of agreement. Some believe you can return the tithe and send bits of the tithe to every different place that you'd like to give to. And if that's your revelation, that's great. God bless you. I'm not going to try to persuade you in any ungodly way to do it the way my wife and I do. But my wife and I have a revelation based on Malachi 3 verse 10 that we're to return the tithe to the storehouse. And when I think about the storehouse, it, tells, it talks to me about fueling the mission from the storehouse. And I think in my, in my wife and my life, our storehouse is all of you. It's where we learn community. It's where we walk in love together. It's where we teach one another the ways of God. It's, the where, it's where, we, where we are rooted and grounded in the house of God. In this community, this expression of the body of Christ. And so Kate and I, we return our tithes. Every single tithe that we ever give, or we ever return back to God, we return it into this house. And Kate and I have many income streams outside of our salaries. And in fact, I personally have chosen for 13 years of being in this church to receive a, at first, the first seven years, no salary at all. And in the last six years, a modest, very modest, very small salary, much of which in the last six years has been about $15,000 a year. I would encourage you, return your tithes to this storehouse. But it, the choice is yours. The second thing, of the system of the kingdom of stewarding the treasures of the kingdom is sowing. Sowing is different than the third one, which is giving. Because sowing is different from giving in this way. Sowing is to get a harvest back for yourself. Giving is what you do when no one's looking with no desire whatsoever, no motive whatsoever to ever receive anything back. You give it because you're like God and you want to be generous. But you can't give if you have nothing. So how do you grow your storehouse? You grow it through number two, which is sowing. I remember a man came to me and he taught me about sowing. He said, this, is, this was his words. I had a certain aeroplane. 
And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, I want you to trust me for a bigger airplane. I'm sitting there thinking, right now, the choice of this example so far out of any of my paradigm, I, 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 can you just stop? But I didn't. I kept quiet. I figured out if he's got an airplane, maybe I should just shut up and listen. Stop judging him. And he told me, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to have a bigger airplane. And the Holy Spirit, I said, Lord, how do I have a bigger airplane? And the Holy Spirit said, you know how to sow and gain a harvest. Calculate what is one one hundredth of the cost of that airplane. Well, the airplane was $70 million. $70 million! You know how many zeros that is? And when you think about it, it's just another zero, which is nothing anyway. And so he calculated a one one hundredth of 70 million. And a one one hundredth of 70 million is 700,000. And I guess compared to 70 million, 700,000 is pretty small. And so he gave 700,000 to somebody else's airplane fund. And he said within a few short weeks, someone came and gave me a $70 million airplane. Don't be angry in your heart. Just relax. You're a son just like that man. You're a daughter just like that man was a son. Stop trying so hard to work for money. Relax. Learn to make money work for you. Belonging is way better than belongings. Shikabanga. Now I want to end with this. Number four is lending. You say, what? Proverbs said that he who lends is slave. So, sorry, he who borrows is slave to the lender. Yes, that's true. But it also says in Proverbs, and sorry, in the book of Psalms, chapter 15, verse 5, and chapter 112, verse 5, that those who lend generously without Usury, meaning without asking for interest, shall never, ever be shaken. And in fact, it turns out that God also borrows money because Proverbs 19 verse 7 says, he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord and the Lord will repay him. The thing about lending, everybody, is lending is all about learning responsibility. You see, tithing is all about co-ownership. Discovering that what you own isn't yours, it's God's, and you're a co-owner with God. Sowing is all about co-investing, where you learn that actually investment is what God expects in the kingdom from those who have what belongs to God. And then giving is about co-benevolence, where you get to be co-generous with God. But lending is where you get to be learn co-responsibility. Because when you lend the person that borrows from you, you set out the terms of the repayment without interest. A friend of mine asked me for some money, otherwise he was going to go to jail. I went in and I said, stand right there, I will talk to my wife. I went in and I said, honey, this person would like to borrow X amount of thousands of dollars and if they don't, if they don't pay that money, they're going to jail. My wife said, okay, go back and tell them that we'll lend it to them. I said, what? That's so mean. No. Let's just give it. She said, no. 
And this was before I understood lending. She said, in fact, this is how I began to, she said, it will teach them responsibility and it will teach us responsibility. And I went back to them and I said, this is a, we'll lend, Kate and I would love to lend that to you to help you right now, but we'd like you to pay it back. You're really good at X, Y, Z. We would love it if you would come to our house when you can and do X, Y, and Z for us work around the house. And they said, absolutely. And we will pay you the equivalent of 20 bucks an hour to do that. And we'll write it all down in a book. And you can all write it all down in your book. And do you know something I discovered? That by lending it to that person, I honored and esteemed them. Instead of making myself powerful and them little in my presence, we stood shoulder to shoulder, eye to eye. And you know something? That person is one of my best friends today. They paid everything back. It took about three years, but they paid it all back. They never once, I never mentioned it, and the Holy Spirit said to me, if they don't pay you back, write it off and let it go. Am I not able to give you so much more? Let's stand, everybody. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, he said, where your heart, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. That's why I believe that the best place to return your tithe is your own local church. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And I know for Kate and I, in returning our tithes to this storehouse, man, our heart is so here. Our heart's so here. Our heart's so with you guys. I just want you to lift up your, ha- your heart to the Lord right now and just get really honest with yourself. What is more important to you? Belongings or belonging? What's more important to you? Jesus goes on in Luke 16, to say, you cannot serve two masters. Either you serve the one and hate the other, or you hate the one and serve the other. You cannot serve God and money. I just want to encourage you today, right now, fire money as your boss. Just fire it. Fire it as your treasured possession. Just say that with me in the name of Jesus. I decree that today, from this day forward, for the rest of my life, I fire you money from being my boss. You're no longer my boss. No longer will my life be shaped solely by you. And no longer will my number one desire be for more of you. From this day forward, you're fired. And Heavenly Daddy, I thank you that I belong to you. And I open my heart to you right now. Would you teach me your heart? Show me your heart. Teach me how to steward what belongs to you. And make me a good steward, Lord. Fill my heart with your love. Let me always be satisfied with you. And may your son Jesus forever be my number one possession and my number one experience my number one vacation destination 
is Jesus. And Lord, today, I'll serve you. You're my master. Joy is my boss. I'm going to work for joy from now on and not for money. In Jesus' name, amen.